here we go. again initiating sequence welcome in this episode we're going to explore the concept of the burden of proof <gasps> because it's come to my attention that it seems that on both sides there seems to be issues on the atheistic side it seems that all the pressure is on the christian to explain why the christian believes in a god however to deny something like an atheist does denying god is also a truth claim. So where does it actually land? Essentially, the burden of proof is the responsibility that someone has to defend or give evidence for his view. Generally, the rule can be summed up this way. Whoever makes a claim bears the burden. And I want to thank recent guest of the show, Greg Kokel, for that quote. So this means that if the theist or Christian says that there is a God, then Generally, they need to give a reason for thinking this. Now, please note, this can be in the terms of positive or negative apologetics, which we'll talk about shortly. Then suppose that the person you're speaking to says that there is no God, i.e. they are an atheist. This person has made a truth claim, so therefore they have to defend it. Now, this is where it gets really sticky because a lot of atheists says that making a negative claim doesn't need to be supported. And often they go to some bizarre example by saying, well, if there was an alien trapped in the middle of Pluto, is it reasonable for me to deny it without going through copious amounts of proof? Now, I am sympathetic to both positions, so I have two answers for this. The first one is that there is belief that is properly basic. And properly basic beliefs are addressed in one of our earlier episodes where we talk about how you can believe in God without having to do positive apologetics. Or in other words, you don't have to give strict arguments for the existence of God. You can just show that your belief is properly basic. And it's a syllogism. The first premise is that beliefs which are appropriately grounded may be rationally accepted as basic beliefs, not grounded on arguments. Premise number two, belief that the biblical God exists is appropriately grounded. And then the conclusion is, therefore, belief that the biblical God exists may be rationally accepted as a basic belief, not grounded on an argument. Now, it takes a fair bit of philosophy to get your head around this argument, because when I first heard it, I thought this doesn't quite seem right. But through unpacking it, it seems to make sense. But let's say that the atheist or the skeptic hears this argument and they reject it. No. By rejecting this argument, they might have saved themselves a little bit of argument, but it has massive implications that goes far beyond anything that they expected. There is very little, if anything, that can actually be absolutely proven in this world. And so we rely heavily on properly basic beliefs to help us navigate this world. So from here, we can simply deconstruct their worldview and look at what beliefs they hold as properly basic. And if we use hyper-skepticism 
as they did in deconstructing the properly basic belief in God, then we can also use that argument on them. And this in turn will make their worldview invalid in the same way that they made the properly basic belief invalid as well. So that's the first way, having the properly basic belief in God and offering it up. And if it gets rejected, just turn it back on them, making all of their properly basic beliefs observed in the same argument fashion that they rejected yours. The second option is that you can look at the example that they give. So they have this magical alien that's trapped in the middle of Pluto. Now, clearly, if we're making up examples just to exaggerate, it becomes a game and we're losing the value of the argument. So the first step would be simply pointing this out to see if they really do take their claim seriously. Do they really believe that there is that magic alien? Now, unless it's they're being obstructive or they have some mental incapacity, they're going to reveal that they're just giving an analogy to show how bizarre it is to believe in a God. And that takes us to our next step. Is it really that bizarre to believe in God without appealing to positive arguments, but simply stating the fact that most of humanity for most of time, including in this current time, all believe in a deity of some description, that our entire Western societies were founded on Christianity, that it's so important that we tell our very dates from it. Is it really analogous to compare this extreme amount of evidence to some bizarre random fact that's trying to make you look silly? So by now, I hope that you see that we've got so far without even using one positive apologetic argument. And then you can just take the conversation wherever it goes. You can go into your positive apologetics. You can see if they are receptive to argumentation or if they're just being obstructive. And if they are being obstructive, casting pearls to pigs, that sort of thing, it's probably not worth wasting your time. However, if they are genuinely interested, it's probably worth pursuing that conversation further. But just use discernment because one, you don't want to burn out. Two, you don't want to waste your time. And three, when you're wasting your time with somebody like that, you could be using your time more valuably, maybe with someone who is receptive. So that brings me to the final part of burden of proof. And that is simply that when somebody makes a claim, they bear the burden. And if somebody makes a claim that there is a God, then the Christian or the person who says it bears a burden. Again, whether it's positive or negative apologetics, doesn't matter. You're making a claim, you give some support for it. But if somebody says that there is no God, then they also bear a burden, particularly given the facts that I've talked about already. Simply the fact that humanity as a whole seems to believe in a God, that it has historically, and that there's overwhelming evidence that it has been like that since the dawn of time. So saying no to this proposition will require some sort of backup. There is one position that gets out of jail, and that is what we call a weak agnostic position. And they say that, I don't know if there is a God or not. And that means that if you offer some suggestion, they're not hyper-skeptical and shooting you down 
and say, no way, there's no God, it wouldn't make sense. They would take on each argument at face value, and they'd also take on the same arguments for atheism, that there is no God. And they'd look at your moral argument, your cosmological argument, your teleological argument, all of them put together. You'd look at the historicity of Jesus, all the cases, and then eventually they'd have this big caseload to look through. And sure, they may reject it. However, when they look at those arguments, that also have to consider all of history, all of society, how it's been founded on Christian values, how the historicity of Christianity has been very prevalent, how people have believed in God since the dawn of time. And they would have to start to apply that same degree of skepticism to atheism. So somebody who is truly a weak agnostic is probably somebody who's wonderful to interact with. However, most people who carry that title are secret atheists that try and avoid the burden of proof. So I just wanted to put this episode out there because I've read about the burden of proof. I've heard about the burden of proof from both sides. However, I don't think anyone's explained it quite like this. In fact, if you do a Google around a search through the secular versions of burden of proof, particularly as it applies to supernatural or religious claims, then they'll just come up with these weird analogies that are rhetorically persuasive, but just logically incoherent, like we've discussed today. I'm sure our magical Pluto alien came from one of those sources. So when studying this sort of material, of course, appeal to your favorite theologians, your apologists, check out what the other side is saying, but get a broad perspective and have backups to your backup, like we've discussed today. You've got the properly basic belief that it cuts both ways. You've got these analogies that they throw out, which are just bizarre. And we have the amazing evidence that is not actually a positive apologetic, it's just a fact of history in mankind, which makes atheism even less intellectual than people claim it to be. So let me know what you think about this. You can reach out to me, my details on the website. Just look up Michael Pulser, testimony of an NPC through Anchor. It's even got a record button. So if you wanted to record a message, I'll be happy to play it on the show if you want me to. And just before I sign out, there is the trap of terminologies out there. And if you looked up many years ago what atheism means, it would essentially be a belief that there is no God. But now as society starts debating atheism more, they've become more prominent atheists. And subsequently, terminology or popular terminology may change. So the def definition of atheism, that the belief that there is no God, which is the true belief, has now changed to one who lacks a belief in God. Well, that is according to the popular sources. But when you look into it further, you just ask the person, what's the difference between an agnostic and an atheist? And from there, you can then either reach a true agreement of terminology, or you can simply proceed based on what their beliefs are. Do they believe that there is no God, or do they actually lack a belief in God? If they truly do lack a belief in God, then by definition or by the real definition, they're agnostics. If they want to put in a fake definition 
that that is atheism, that's fine too. However, to be consistent, then they wouldn't be logically consistent to argue that there is no God or to have hyper-skepticism against the arguments for God. They would have to apply that degree of skepticism to the proposition that there is no God, particularly in light of all the history that we've talked about just in this episode alone. Okay, now I'm going to sign off and I will see you on the next episode. 